0: Hey there, and welcome to the Box Office Watch Podcast, where you keep watch on how much money movies are making and why. This is the show recapping the weekend of March 18th through the 20th, 2022, as well as catching up on the week fire. My name is Paulo, and I'm your host. Hope everyone's doing well. I'm fully moved into my new apartment after a week off from the podcast, and I'm glad to be back with my, you know, microphone setup and everything. Now, work is busy right now, and it is Oscars season, the last stretch of the Oscars death race, so I have a bunch of movies to watch this week. So I don't have too much time right now, but uh, let's go over, the la- and to go over the last two weeks of the box office, so let's just hop straight in. we? in first place for this weekend was the third weekend of The Batman. Last weekend, it dropped a very respectable, you know, given kind of like how big it started off, a very respectable 50%, and this weekend was even less with a 45% drop uh, to $36.7 million in 4,302 theaters per theater average of $8,536. Um, potentially, maybe these drops are helped by spring break going on uh, these past couple of weeks for colleges and high schools. Um, anyway, that puts this film over the $300 mark million million mark domestically uh, despite opening lower than the ill-fated Batman versus Superman you know 134 million for the Batman versus uh 166 million for BVS um, ba- the Batman is already pacing ahead of BVS by this third weekend at 300 million to 296 million and the past two weekends have been more like 10 million ahead each uh, 66 versus 51 million last weekend 36 versus 23 million this weekend so at this rate 400 million should be doable not guaranteed i think it you know it, you know it's it's compared I think the closest comparison would be Captain Marvel um, and that one kind of had the benefit of uh, the Avengers Endgame coming around to kind of give it a last-minute boost while you know this one has to contend with the HBO Max and VOD release uh, at the 45 day mark on April 19th so you know definitely going to be a close one an interesting one to see where this en- ends up uh, internationally it's just shy of a 600 million dollar mark at 599.6 million as of Sunday with a tiny release this past weekend we'll dig a little bit more Into that later on in the episode. Uh, But 800 million worldwide seems definitely doable, um, which is pretty good against a 200 million production budget. Uh, In second place, we have a new film released, and I actually saw it this weekend, um, and I'm very excited to talk about it. Uh, Jujutsu Kaisen Zero, the movie, is the latest anime film to release stateside theatrically after the success of Demon Slayer last year. Um, Well, technically not the the next one, but it is the next big one, uh, given how Bell kind of underperformed. Uh, Like Demon Slayer, Jujutsu Kaisen adapts part of a very popular anime-slash-manga from the publisher suesa of Weekly Son and Jump, the same magazine Demon Slayer was in, though unlike demon slayer you know um, demon slayer adapted a canon arc in the middle of the main storyline uh, this one adapts a prequel uh story that kind of I apparently you know from what i've heard does eventually integrate into the main story eventually but uh, isn't quite necessary at this point in time to watch um you know, so it's kind of a little bit more accessible on one hand, but at the same time, it's also not the urgency to see it. Um, over in Japan, you know, it has made something like hundred and eight, I think maybe even more, one hundred eighteen million U.S. dollars to date, uh, which is good for like the twentieth something or highest-grossing film of all time in Japan. And so far, it is the highest-grossing film of this year to date, already grossing more than anything that released last year, twenty twenty-one, in Japan. Um, as far as its U.S. release goes, kaizen opened to seventeen point seven million in two hundred two thousand two hundred 86 theaters per theater average of $7,742, beating forecasts from box office pros of a $10.5 million opening. Now, this $17.7 million is below the twenty two point seven that Demon Slayer had uh, for its first weekend when it opened, uh, but it's still better than the Dragon Ball Super Broly $9.8 million opening from 2019. Uh, also notably, this is the widest release of an anime film since the first Pokemon's film uh, release in 3043 theaters by Warner Brothers back in 1999. Uh, Demon Slayer only opened in about 1,600 theaters, and Dragon Ball Super Broly opened in only about 1,200 theaters. Now, I can't from this is true. I think this definitely Helped since I think there are people Who maybe would have Waited to see it You know maybe It would have been Like a 20 or, or an hour Long ride to get To the nearest theater playing it It may have been A limited release um, But the 2000 plus Theaters definitely Made it that some People were able to See it uh, that they Wouldn't have otherwise I myself you know The theater that I Normally go to Even before I move Is still the no- nearest One to me That one never Showed uh, anime films I always had to go To one maybe like 30 to 40 minutes Away by bus um, But now I could Just walk you know Five minutes from My old apartment You know a little Bit longer from, from the new one um, and still be able to catch it here, which is the first. So that definitely, I think, helped out a lot. Um, now, as with most anime films, I'd expect this to drop pretty sp- steeply next week. Somewhere in the 69-72% range uh, is what Dragon Ball Super Broly and Demon Slayer ended up doing. Um, but it's still awesome to see anime become more and more mainstream. You know, Given forecasts for next weekend, it should stick around in the top five, I think. Um, now you know as far as what is you know will end up you know maybe in like the thirty-five million dollar range the anime films tend to have about a two x multiplier just do the limited runs and you know uh, I ended up going a bit of a tangent when writing the script going to our anime and doing kind of like a full breakdown um, and you know anime films tend to the reason Demon Slayer did so well last year was because it released you know around the same a little bit after this you know sometime like in in uh, May or, or late. Uh, you know, late April, early May or so, um, but then you know it didn't really have any strong competition until Memorial Day weekend. Um, so that that gave it a lot of runtime, basically. That it you know even though it wasn't making a ton of money, it wasn't like there were any new films that to encourage movie theater owners to put it out to um, to replace it with. Here we have you know fairly large blockbusters coming in uh, every week for the next couple of weeks. Um, so that's definitely going to I think impact uh, Jujutsu Kaisen's longevity and legs. Um, so maybe a two multiplier at most here putting it about 35 million which is still fairly respectable um you know, thinking about other anime films that may potentially come, you know, if, if Demon Slayer, that might have been like a fluke, but I think Jujutsu Kaisen kind of shows that these, you know, shonen action films, you know, uh, for big franchises definitely have a lot to gain from having at least one installment be a movie of a, of a canon arc. So I think the next one is the Attack on Titan series. Um, it's in its final season right now. Uh, you know, the manga is already completed, but, you know, it's probably going to end up uh, being about nine to ten chapters short of actually completing the manga from the television series that wraps up uh later this month so i imagine that the last couple of chapters are going to be adapted into you know a final movie um just seeing all the potential money here so you know maybe will it be able to break the 31 million opening that pokemon opens to open to back in 1999 i mean with you know a limited release it would have to have the same perth theater average that uh, demon slayer ended up having so you know who knows um but i think it's it's entirely possible that Demon let Sl- that attack on titan given just how important it was for the 2010 anime scene and how it had a lot more mainstream success than normal could potentially break out uh anyway that was definitely uh, a bit of a tangent to, to dig into but you know definitely an intersection of my somewhat on hiatus uh yet another anime podcast uh, anyway, in third place, Sony's Uncharted continues to run in its fifth weekend, dropping 15% down to $7.8 million in 3,700 theaters, per theater, the average of $2,115. That puts it at a domestic total of $125 million, global total of $337 million against its $120 million production budget. Now, Notably, last weekend it also had a sub-20% drop, which is honestly holding pretty well, though again, that might be due to the uh, spring break effect going on that's helping out the Batman as well, um, but still, that's... Great for Sony for for it to, to do well here in fourth place we have another new opener it's A24's new risque slasher film X uh, after its South by Southwest debut um, it opened to 4.4 million in 2,865 theaters per theater average of 1,538 dollars could not find the budget for this one but I wouldn't expect it to be more than 5 maybe 10 million dollars all told um, for you know being an a indie, indie slasher film so you know and it, it and it also overperformed the 3.3 million three uh, million dollar. Forecasted um, box office pros number for this weekend. So, you know, good things all around. Um, finally, in fifth place, Channing Tatum's Dog hangs in there with a 23% drop to just under 4 million this weekend in 3,307 theaters per theater odds of $1,208, running total of 54 million domestic, 62 million worldwide against its 15 million production budget. That's after a solid 15% drop last weekend. So, this one is definitely a success, I think, for United Artists overall. Now, looking outside the top five, you know, Spider Man is in its first weekend outside of the top five, finally. Um, out- it only, only took its 14th weekend for that to happen. Um, it sits at 797 million to date. It made 3 million this past weekend, so I'd expect it to probably cross the 800 million mark uh, by next weekend domestically, which is just insane. Uh, beyond that, there were some smaller releases. You know, Focus Features had a gangster thriller called The Outfit, starring Mark Rylance, opened to $1.5 million in 1324 theaters. Um, there was an Indian Hindi-language drama called The Kashmir Files from Z Studios. Made slight opened in slightly less than 230 theaters, but made... Uh, um, you know, made made, made about one hundred fifty million dollars as one point five million dollars as well for six thousand four hundred fifty seven per theater average, the third highest of the weekend, and then A twenty four had a uh, Korean American horror film called Uma, uh, starring uh, Sandra Oh, made nine hundred fifteen thousand dollars in eight hundred five theaters, per theater average of eleven thirty seven. Um, the outfit and Uma both are within expectations from box office pros, um, and you know the casting of files was not forecasted by them. Um, as far as films closing and ending out their runs, um, Ghostbusters Afterlife finally ended its run after its opening last November um, to 129.3 million dollars, narrowly beating the domestic total of Ghost the 2016 Ghostbusters, which ended up at 128.3 million, but on half the budget. Um, so definitely much more, much better performance than that in the initial numbers would appear. Uh, on the less impressive side, though, The Kingsman uh, the prequel ended at 37.2 million, um, couldn't even I think beat uh, one of the weekends. Of the the second Kingsman film, and then Matrix Rise of Accents ended at 37.7 million. Again, could not even be the opening weekend of its prequels also worth noting this was last week for the week that I missed um, the BTS concert movie Permission to Dance uh, debuted in 803 theaters and debut is a weird word because it was literally just like a one-time engagement uh, kind of like live event um, I don't know if it was like a live streamed event or there's like a, a movie that was captured and then just like recorded um, and played around the world but you know it made 6.8 million in the US which was good for third place last weekend I um, it made 32.6 million globally um, which is you know kind of of insane for a one day limited limited engagement event Um, it's the highest gross of an event film worldwide so you know props to bts and the power of k-pop now, as far as total box office goes, this past weekend ends up at $83 million total. Um, the coming weekend, you know, The Batman finally has some major studio competition from The Lost City from Paramount. Uh, Sandra Bullock, Channing Tatum featuring Brad Pitt and Daniel Radcliffe. It opens about 4,000 theaters for 17 to $27 million, um, according to box office pros. However, based on the 87% run, uh, critic score, it's potentially going to go even higher than that, which, given its relatively low $74 million production budget, uh, would be all the sweeter news. Uh, we also have the limited release of A 24s Everything Everywhere All at Once next weekend, which is ninety eight percent audience scores. Super excited for that! I think it goes wide on February eighth, um, and then the weekend this, and then after this coming weekend, you know, on on April first, uh, you know, beginning of Q two, we have Morbius, which pre sales for the first day beat Sang-Chi's uh, and Venom's, um, and is you know, two thirds that of, of, of Eternals, um, with a seventy five million production budget as well, though. There have been no Rotten Tomatoes for that yet, though. Rumors are it's not that well-received. Um, but you know what What does have great re- reception, though, on Rotten Tomatoes? Uh, the Nick Cades film where Nick Cades plays Nick Cades playing Nick Cades. Um, you know, this is the unbearable weight of massive talent. Currently sits at 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. I believe that's the Mar- uh, April 22nd or something like that. Anyway, looking internationally, last weekend, saw the, uh, the of the 11th saw the release of the *Turning Red*, the newest Pixar film. Um, overseas, in addition to its Disney Plus release, were available. Um, apparently, it's the most watched film premiere of, on Disney Plus to date, despite all the social media backlash uh, and divisiveness. Um, apparently, it's made 3.8 million overseas in 12 markets in its first weekend, currently sitting at 8.4 million total. Um, also, that same weekend in Taiwan, the documentary *Revolution of Our Life. Lives about the Hong Kong protests uh, broke a Taiwanese record for overseas Chinese-language documentary film, uh, with about 600,000 to date. Now you know this past weekend we did see some big releases of films that that will come out eventually in April on stateside. Uh, First we had the DreamWorks animated film Bad Guys slated for an April twenty second release, opening in twenty five markets this past weekend to eight point five million total. Spain particularly strong at one point seven million, beating out the Batman uh, and tying Encanto for the best animated film opening post pandemic there. Uh, and then from Universal we have the Michael Bay heist film *Ambulance*, uh, opened in 35 markets to 4.4 million dollars, about the same as other male dominant films uh, *Wrath of Man* and *The Kingsman*, with Saudi Arabia leading the pack at 975 thousand uh, dollars. That one releases April 8th stateside. And then we did get confirmation that Paramount's *Top Gun: Maverick* will be headed to the Cannes Film Festival, not in the official competition category, but more so from the you know kind of more general public, kind of like *F9* did last year. Uh, Turning to China, though, these past two weekends, you know, we saw the releases of Hollywood films coming back. However, it is kind of poor timing given the rising number of COVID cases due to the Omicron variant, variant wrecking uh, having over in Asia. Um, about 30% of theaters are closed for the time being, particularly in the major population centers of Shanghai and Shenzhen. Um, the 5,000 daily new cases, you know, while relatively small for the Western world, you know, given China's uh, zero COVID policy over there, um, is the largest caseload since the pandemic first began two years ago over there. Now, last weekend, Uncharted opened on, uh, on Monday the 14th to about $2 million, sitting just outside the top five due to being available for only one day, um, as opposed to the full three days for the weekend for the other films. Um, this past weekend, though, it, alongside the Batman, topped uh, both both uh, the top two places of the chart. Um, the Batman comes in after opening on Friday to $11.7 million for the weekend, while Uncharted made $4 million for a $10.3 million uh, running total to date for Uncharted. Both are forecasting to finish in the 22 to 25 million range. Given uh, the COVID outbreaks, probably could have done a lot, lot better otherwise. Now outside of that, Battle of Lake Changjin Part Two's current total sits at 633 million to date. Uh, Too cool to kill at 409 million, and then Boony Bears is at number five, rounding out the top five with 150 million to date. And now, you know, kind of to wrap up the episode, you know, we have some pretty interesting business moves going on in the world of the box office to talk about. Um, first, we had the Discovery stockholders approving the $43 billion Warner merger deal last week. Uh, one of the last formalities for this deal to go through, you know, it's already been approved by the boards of both companies, as well as approval by the Department of Justice. Um, as a reminder, you know, Discovery chief David Zaslav will be taking the reins of the merged company, while Warner's Jason Kilar is likely expected To leave. Um, For the time being, it looks like Discovery Plus and HBO Max will be bundled together. um, While the goal is to eventually have the two platforms be merged into one at some point down the road, uh, you know, with ad light and ad free versions, uh, kind of similar to how Sony is in the process of merging Funimation under the Crunchyroll banner in their recent acquisition, as they announced earlier this month. Uh, in other acquisition news, Amazon closed its $8.5 billion acquisition of MGM, another deal that the FTC and DOJ ended up not blocking despite uh, anti-monopoly, anti-Amazon sentiment over there. Uh, the EU antitrust regulators have given their clearance here. Um, a final note though for those excited that this might, what this might mean for potential uh, Amazon James Bond TV series, creative control of Bond still will remain with the Broccoli siblings, uh, not with Jeff Bezos. Now, on the indie side of things, A24 has raised $225 million in equity investment for expansion plans, valuing the company at $2.5 billion total. Um, exciting to see what they have stored ahead for them. Um, and while we could talk about you know Disney's whole deal with the Florida Don't Say Gay fiasco, um, um, more nuanced and better informed people than I have already said their piece on this, but it is worth keeping on your radar as another chapter in Chapex's uh, so-called management of the company. Now on the streaming side of things, you know, in addition to the aforementioned turning weather. Turning red news of being the best film premiere on Disney+, Plus. apparently Encanto users have seen the film five times on average since it launched, for 180 million rewatches globally. Um, that's a lot of talking about Bruno. And then Deadpool 3 seems to have its director in Sean Levy, who directed the most recent Ryan Reynolds film, The Adam Project, for Netflix, as well as the uh, 20th century free guy. Um, and so, you know, apparently, Adam Project uh, is the third biggest debut for Netflix film over, you uh, know, over its Weekend with 92.4 million hours watched over three days, possibly worth the 175 million production budget. Um, but remember, they have to compensate the cast and crew up front instead of offering office box office backends. Um, you know, given that they don't have box office, so that's why that number seems a little bit bigger um, than other comparable films. Uh, in any case, I think that's about a wrap for this episode. I think to get back to watching stuff for the Death Race and finishing some work. I'll leave you on what I've been watching. You know, obviously I've been doing the Oscar Death Race, so I have a lot of thoughts on various Oscar films over there. Though I did watch uh, Coming to America in preparation for the Coming to America nomination for uh, Best uh, Hair and Makeup. Um, definitely a film of its time. I think um, definitely you know definitely amusing, um, and you know definitely the makeup work even in the original film was just phenomenal. Um, but you know kind. Of uh, kind of definitely some dated stuff going on in there, but overall enjoyable. I think I gave it like a two, maybe three out of five. I think two out of five is what I ended up giving it. Um, and then for *Jujutsu Kaisen*, you know, overall I think if you've seen the series, you're definitely going to get a lot more out of it. Even though it is a prequel and that is is kind of like standalone, but kind of seeing you know some familiar faces and kind of getting the accent and. But as always, Studio Mappa does amazing with the animation quality, especially of the action sequences. Um, so you know, I think four out of five. If you're a Jujutsu Kaisen fan, if not, I think you know it's a pretty, pretty accessible story, pretty enjoyable way to spend a couple of hours. And the animation, again, is good. Might not meet the emotional heights that I think other films can do, but that might just be me being in an, an Oscar mode at the moment. Um, in any case, you know, me ideas for wills I should be covering box office wise at Box Watch Podcast at gmail.com or Twitter at Watts podcast. Find our show on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play. Make sure you subscribe and leave a review, or at the very least, tell a friend. Any of that helps. Um, if you're feeling extra generous, consider supporting us on Patreon, which lets me make not only this show, but all the other podcasts that I work on. Links to all of that will be in our show notes. Uh, numbers used in the show come from TheNumbers.com. Intro and outdoor music come from Kevin MacLeod. His stuff is at io. Editing production by Ninja Boy Media. Until next time, this has been the Box Office Watch Podcast, and remember, our watch goes on.